salutations and thank you for listening. My name is Brittany. And I'm Steven and you're listening to It's Not the End of the World. We are on to episode two right now of our podcast. See, we used to be a radio show, but now because of COVID-19, we're doing things a little differently as a lot of things are being done a little differently now. Yeah. So if we mess up, you won't know. You won't know because <laughs> we can just edit it out. <laughs> you might not even realize it, but yeah. I'm actually a robot right now. We redid the beginning of like five times. <laughs> <laughs> My voice is artificially reconstructed. <laughs> no, no, but for real, I am Steven and You know what, Steven? You know what I want to know? What? What is your family like? My family? Yeah, like, how how big is your family? Like, what is it? What does it consist of? Well, if you want to know, um, I have a mother. I have a father. Biological? Biological, yes. They're, they're divorced. Um, and then I have an older sister. And then my grandmother, she lives kind of nearby. But that's kind of like my close family, yeah. So growing up, you had, like, in the house, mom, dad, you, sister. Yep. Yep, basically. American dream, sounds like. I know, right? White picket fence in the suburbs. Really, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the reason that um, we brought that up is because today we're going to be talking about family and sort of the history of family and how it's been organized and... Um, how that has shaped us as humans and what it means to have people close to you and how we depend on each other socially and then how that has changed over history and even more recently how it has evolved into what we call the nuclear family, which is what I belong to. (laughs) Yes, Stephen's a nuclear family plant. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. And kind of how those things have affected us too because if we're thinking in terms of how things have evolved we also got to think of what what factors have been at play that have created this evolution and like is it necessarily healthy for us in some ways and how has it been detrimental to us and others right so what i think is you come from a nuclear family I come from a very blended family. Yeah, could you so, tell could you tell them about your family as well? Yeah, so the blended family, which is my family, is consisting of my parents are divorced, so I have a four parents technically, but I have half sister, I have stepbrothers, stepsisters, it's like all around the board. Uh I have uh we adopted not me, my parents, but my parents adopted when the Caden was four weeks old so that's adding even more into the blendingness because we have some we have all that were biological until Caden was introduced who's not biological so that makes us very very blended um and then I want to say that my extended family but honestly we kind of grew up like we were in that nuclear household we just kind of pretended like the barriers between everybody didn't exist if that makes sense yeah so there were a lot of people in one household but they were of different uh, parents. Yeah, different parents. Yeah. And we didn't really have the aunts, uncles, grandma, grandpa. We didn't have those people around a lot. I mean, yeah. I have those people in my life, obviously, for sure. I love them. But, yeah, so it's very extended. 
I think a lot of people come from one or the other side on there. They're either family like you or family like me. (laughs) Definitely, especially if our audience is American and lives kind of a middle class, has lived a middle class lifestyle. And it's interesting because when you go through history and you go around the world, really, a lot of families still live in what we call extended families. So that means that it's not just the kid and their siblings and a mother and a father. It also likely includes grandparents, great-grandparents, aunts and uncles, relatives of all kinds, um, adopted family members, all sorts of things, different arrangements, but really, essentially, people lived in a community or a tribe. Yeah, tribe, that's a perfect word to explain it. Yeah, and it's interesting because we've spent so much time living in such a way that has it has become crucial for us to uh, to basically living i mean we have to depend on people in order to survive and if we have some kind of breakdown in our immediate family unit whatever whatever it might be a death of a family member or something else happens family member gets estranged then other people can help in raising a child or to support when when other things happen and we've depended on each other and a lot of it's related to just proximity you know like where you're born your geography that who lives close (laughs) who lives by you and that's where we kind of got our start as humans is just living in in small clusters of people that we all considered close family and those families were generally larger than they are today but that's because the living circumstances were a little different so now we have people in our modern world that don't really depend so much on their family for for living and procure, pro, procuring food and, and nourishment and resources. It's more about chasing the dollar because we have transformed our existence in some ways to make it more suitable for us yeah more societal value the more the more societal value you bring the more separate families become or rather the societal value has been placed more heavily on on career opportunities and and pursuits for the individual families that you know they you grow up together you you know, you live in a certain lifestyle and that's all you know is one place, one town, whatever it may be. And then eventually you get older and maybe you meet like a partner or whatever, a significant other that has aspirations that are all the way across the country. You know, like sometimes that stuff doesn't get talked about right then and there. So when that time comes, it breaks a family apart because of different dreams and aspirations and money things oh well I have to go live in Texas and you live in Ohio but that's just how it has to be for money for me to make a living or which can bring you all the way to like you know both of your parents working and both of all of the family members working do you did you take care of yourself from when you were you know 13 did you know or did you have a did your grandma stay home with you did your dad stay home with you did you get put in a daycare all of those family aspects are going to affect the way that you treat society and not only the way society is going to treat you 
but that's coming it's more based off your presentation of what it was like growing up were you somebody who could rely on all these other family members or were you somebody who kind of had to be independent at a young age that can affect the family specifically especially if it's a lack of parent you know maybe the there's only one parent in the household there's so many different family aspects that can affect the way that you treat your life and the society that we have right now definitely i think there's a heavy emphasis placed when we're when we're young and growing up going through school on trying to to define yourself and figure out what you are as it relates to your passion your interest and how that translates into a a job opportunity and a career it's like all we think about i remember in eighth grade they would have career fairs and we were you know like 14 years old right (laughs) it's like you get extra credit yeah we get we did get extra credit so that was nice i guess but it's you know incentivizing and teaching kids that we need to figure these things out at a younger and younger age because it helps to prepare us for our future of of serving our job and serving serving ourself and our families have an are reinforcing that when we when we come home to them and tell us that uh yes it's time to graduate it's time to go off and live on your own now and and it creates that nuclear family structure and I think it's become the the most dominant family orientation in the United States today, actually. And, For the nuclear family. And that's just yeah. kind of, just to recap there, that's mom, dad, brother, sister. Yeah, essentially it's like the um, the atom in it and how it is um, arranged where it has a proton, has the protons and the neutrons and the nucleus and then the electrons, and that it's the most basic um, form. Yeah, that give it, can it to be. them in the most unbasic uh, <laughs> <laughs> cells and atoms. It's just like the nuclear family. <laughs> well, but no, like, you, but you understand that, right? Yeah. Like, it's it's just a, it, an atom means like it's standard. It's unsplittable, yeah. right? Like it, that's it's mom and dad and the kids. And also, I think it's interesting too because that family structure became more prevalent after the world wars Mm -hmm. and what do we know about the world wars and atomic energy (laughs) around that time um well we started to learn more about it because scientists started to create nuclear bombs and find ways to use energy and and we call that like the post-war era but yeah families and suburbs started to kind of split apart in that way and live in their individual households that all look the same and (laughs) and it's um yeah so the nuclear family has become more prevalent especially in developed countries but the uh the way that it's related to wealth inequality is interesting as well that we have spent most of our time as humans living in tribes and organizing ourselves in communities. But then the more that we became wealthier and had more things, it provided us with opportunities that were oriented towards ourselves. So as we get richer, we tend to uh, have less kids is essentially what the trends show that like, richer families with more money 
have less kids and they live as a nuclear family, whereas people who don't have as uh, much financial resources, they live still like extended family groups. Right, and, and then they can afford schools and good schools. You know, the wealthy ones can afford all of these prestigious places, but they fail to bring the children in to put them into that or as many as they could, you know. And then we have the people who live in the poverty who can't afford those you know, nicer schools or better education, just better neighborhoods in general, the places that, you know, statistically may or may not be the best place to have a kid. They're the ones that are having a lot of kids. So, and I don't know, maybe that's just because if you don't have a lot of money, what else is there to do? I don't know. <laughs> have kids? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's um, it's pretty, uh, you can probably go pretty deep with that Yeah, topic. probably. But... <clears throat> But aside from that, yes, there is some kind of relationship there with with uh, wealth and and the family structure and how it, we've placed such a heavy emphasis now on achieving mater- material success and financial stability that that is the ideal is to to live in this kind of family unit and to put a heavy emphasis on the self and career pursuits and passions and we have kind of left our our core values unacknowledged or unaddressed and i think it's kind of deteriorating our our health in some ways you know like our social health and even our biological health. I mean, there's definitely a relationship, as this pandemic has shown us, with being socially withdrawn and how it affects our mental and physical health. And it just makes you wonder, like, is living this kind of family style, is, is that having an impact on our health? I, I surely think for the elderly yeah. in a lot of cases. Well, for mental health in particular, especially right now with the whole, well, I don't really think many places are still quarantined where they're like locked down in place or anything like that. They're being quarantined again. (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. That's nice. So can't wait for that. going to be depressed. But no, I think that's exactly what it is though. People, when, let's say you have a whole family that lives together that don't really stay and hang out together or really know each other too well right now could be the hardest time on them but couldn't there be like a flip side to some of this stuff you know like isn't it wouldn't this be a good time to get to know your family you know I I mean coming from where I am from you know everybody too well in my family but I have noticed that a lot of people that I you know hang out with and things their family isn't as important to them as much as it would be to go like hang out with their friends or you know like or I mean just maybe age maybe there's like an age thing where you just start to want outside you know yeah there's some kind of drive to experience life aside from what you knew growing up so right in an independent setting too like I, I you know like daydreaming when you're 13 14 about oh my god I can't wait to drive and I can't wait to get <laughs> all you know get out and not have to be home all the time and not have to ask parents for money and this and that and then it's like years later you're still doing that 
and it doesn't feel as good as it did when you were daydreaming it. You almost mm-hmm. miss those times of dependency on family because that and was like stimulation to the brain and your heart at the same time. Yeah, because we we have such a emotional tie to those people that are close to us. It becomes important for us. We don't realize it until we try to to spend time away from them, but right. eventually we come back around and we we come back to the home that we grew up in, you know, and that's kind of like our that's kind of the the path of a lot of people that are around this age in their 20s or their 30s. Yeah, it makes you kind of wonder what it's like for those people who don't have thick emotional attachments to their family or parents or maybe like, you know, the parent abandoned them when they were a kid but comes in and out of their life, you know? Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of those people, because they live in this culture and this society, they might brush it off because they're like, oh, this is normal. You know, an older person living by themselves, they're maybe widowed. Right, like and the blood is thicker than water saying doesn't doesn't mean anything the, yeah, anymore. Yeah, it doesn't really mean as much. And it's like, oh, the kids, you know, they're in college and they're doing their own thing. So I understand that they don't want to come and hang out with me and they reason with themselves these things. But there's just such a deep feeling in their heart that they want to be surrounded by their family and you got to think about it like elderly people for a long time played a key role in the imparting of wisdom to the younger generations and that's what their mind is focused on i mean they, you know they always sit down and tell stories whenever you go to visit them right right and it's like that's what they would be doing if we lived closer to them rather than in separate individual families or you know across the nation trying to pursue a career and doing something that you have a passion for you know like your grandma sitting at home grandpa is like oh you know i'm thinking about you and whatnot and they call her on the phone but like really like if we lived a different way then we might be still sitting around them and like having them share stories with us you know like what what would that be like is that something that we're missing but to to go on the other side of this the flip side what are some of the things that come with um independence and and being able to pursue your lifestyle your dreams your passions what what is what is so appealing to people about that that they have decided to do that when they encounter more opportunities and maybe more financial resources right i think it for me what i think is that a kid hits a certain point in their life i would say majority puberty of, yeah puberty <laughs> exactly like and uh they hit this free will you They're know like, just i want to be different that's, that yeah that's yeah. all that's on their mind is they fail to recognize consequences of anything just yet because they really haven't experienced much outside of their family so they might have their moral values and codes and stuff sh- you know jammed down their throat and that might be something that they don't mind living by or they completely can't stand it and they do you know they Blanchy. resent their family and they're just like I want to go so you kind of get one of two ways it's like the I want to get out of here or the parents saying hey get out of here you know you turn 18 and it can go one of two ways or 
maybe it was even before you were 18, you kind of made decisions like that, whatever, whatever it actually may be. But I think the age thing is just so weird to me. You know how you turn 18 and it's like you're supposed to have all of your life figured out in a sense because they've been asking you since first grade, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And then you're graduating high school and it, they're still asking you that. Like, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? And that, so you're from a young mind always thinking, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Always planning yeah. for a future event. Exactly. Trying to be something other than yourself. And you don't yeah. even know yet. You don't even know what it is you are completely at i think for me at least like when i was 18 it's so different from how i am now <laughs> even though it's only like five or six years ago i just think about how much more grown up i feel now that i've been able to establish the years of adulthood rather than just being thrown into it and you know getting a getting a car getting a house getting a job getting married how you know what i mean like that stuff is a lot different now now people take time to get somewhere in their life in a sense rather than you know like oh I'm just going to get married I'm just going to have a kid I'm going to do this I'm going to do that like their values and things have directionally changed so you could be saying you know your parents could have got together when they were 17 18 then got married then had you maybe one of them went to college or maybe one of them worked or both of them worked however it may be either way it's different now it's very different than that I think I don't see many people out there who don't want to chase their aspiration and goals. Yeah, and so what what is appealing to you do you think about chasing your aspirations and your goals and why has it become an ideal, a cultural ideal to right. to have a passion, to have a dream? It I think it just comes down to complete independence like and I think it really it really matters. There's so many things that actually matter in that question, too. It's like, I think it seems more aspirational if you come from a family or people that surround that you surround yourself with that maybe don't have those things. And maybe because, I mean, there's it's a like lot of de people... It's like deprivation. Yeah, like, yeah. if we're getting personal, for me, it was more I seen what my parents and everybody before them and stuff, I kind of added up what all they did and... Nah, I don't want to say do the complete opposite, but it's like I learned of what not to do from what I seen done. Yeah. So that's my aspiration. My aspiration is to see to do it the way I wanted it to be done when I was younger. Yeah, I can see where that would definitely be a driving factor, motivating factor. And, and but there's probably so many of them, you know, maybe just simple curiosity. Somebody wakes up and is like, I want to be a dang engineer. <laughs> so I'm <laughs> just going to yeah. go do that. I think it was interesting, though, because when you were talking about the the time in your life when you feel that you want to become independent and to establish yourself and find your identity, how that falls within a certain range. So on a societal level, I think that there's a time when that happens as well, because we were saying how the availability of resources financial resources creates opportunity in a society like our capitalistic society so it's like that moment in time creating more opportunities is like the youth of of our of our individual self like we are striving 
for that independence and that self-sufficiency. And on the larger scale, that happens in this kind of society. So it's like our society is still like the youthful, virulent, um, striving, independent um, society, whereas other societies that still live in the extended family type of lifestyle where they live in communities, um, you know, they, their, their days are more, are drawn out and longer and it, it's probably more of a running at a relaxed pace, I would say. I mean, obviously they still have to work and they do live in much the same way that we do in, right. a, in a lot of respects, but like that kind of living was sort of like our, our golden age and then we're moving into like a newer uh, a newer type of living that might not be as sustainable but we're trying to establish ourselves as a collective like become empowered by our our we're, we're not dependent so much on our natural ways of living because we've been able to develop technologies and and grow to a certain standard through those technologies and like how I kind of relate that to like um, a youthful sort of outlook on life do you see where I'm going with that Brittany it's very complicated I was trying to to summarize it but but really like that where we're at trying to to be independent and and live individualistic lives historically speaking this is like us entering into our teenage years like we're trying to to be someone and find ourselves, but really like we eventually come back around which was my next point was that like you get into your 30s and 40s and 50s, your later years, middle age, and you start to realize that family is all you have. So the relationships that you have, the social relationships, become of more value to you. And you start to realize, especially when you get to the later years in your life, you, you start to think about death. And not in a sad way necessarily, but just as it being a reality. And when you think about death and you reflect on your life what is the most important thing that comes to your mind it's love it's family it's those connections it's not about the things that you you accumulate those passions you had for i don't know some kind of career i mean yeah that that was important i i would say for sure but but really at the core of it all it it is family and i think we're striving for something that isn't sustainable and we need to draw ourselves back a little bit as a collective as a society and maybe try to find a way to reorient ourselves and find ways to live closer in in more un more uh, social units and find ways to do that you know before we realize we wake up one day and we realize like oh i've been alone for 
so long. And now it's coming to an end of this podcast. So uh, thank you for listening to our second episode here. And we're here to remind you that it's it's not not the the end end of the the world. world.